be nice to have Mike back, for sure. Good morning. Uh, many of you know me, and uh, there are quite a few you might not know me. Uh, my name is Daniel. Uh, I am not the pastor. I am a, uh, a person that just goes to this church, and the uh, Lord has blessed me with something that on my heart that I really wanted to share, and Scott gave me the, uh, the, the platform to do that. Um, and uh, we pray for Scott as he's away and, and uh, hopefully has a great time on his vacation. This morning, uh, we're, the title of my uh, sermon is For This Reason. And uh, interesting enough, I got this from the scripture uh, in verse uh, in verse nine, uh, but in the ESV it has and so. <laughs> but if you read it in the NIV, the King James, and the Greek has this word in there. It says for this cause, for this reason, and I love reasons. I. I I work in the hospital. I am a nuclear medicine technologist. It sounds super fancy, but I just take pictures with radiation, and, uh, and I inject people, so it's, it's loads of fun. Uh, I have a good time with that, and, uh, and, and I, I help people out in their diagnosis of heart disease or bone cancer or different cancers and that sort of stuff. I do pet imaging as well, which is not of animals. Uh, I would like to do that because I like animals too, but they don't get to come into pet imaging for some reason. But I'm a guy who loves science. I love answers for questions. And, you know, when I think about for this reason, I think of myself when I was a kid. I was the kid who asked why. Anybody have a kid that asks why or, or too much? I loved asking why because I want to know why. I want to know how this works, the nuances of, of how the universe operates. I want to know why. And, and, and the great thing about God is he actually at times gives us the answer. And this morning, he does in this passage, he says, for this reason, as Paul is starting to pray. The second part of this understanding of, as I like to seek out reasons and, and uh, answers to questions, the, the subtext to this is my reluctance and his sufficiency. My reluctance and his sufficiency. For this reason, for this cause, and, and I'm just going to read this first. Uh, uh, well, the one verse that in this passage just kind of got stuck in my head. Did you ever get something stuck in your head? We used to say in Michigan, stuck in your craw, but I don't know if that came from when I went down south or whatnot. You know, you don't hear that. Maybe it's an old saying. Uh, so, but it, this, this little phrase uh, that's underlined is the one that just kind of stuck right in my head, and I just couldn't quite get, after, out, get it out as I was reading it. And so as I read this scripture, I'm going to have you guys read the underlined parts so that you can kind of stay active and somewhat awake, all right? So, all right, for this reason, the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. You sound good. That was great. Good job. 
wholly pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So when, when I read that, I just kind of was like, Housers, that's a, that's a loaded statement, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Walk in a, way, in a manner worthy of the Lord. What exactly does that mean? I mean, it just... It hit me, and I didn't. I wanted to parse it out. I wanted to get the nuances. I wanted to know exactly how that is. And the, and the result of us walking in a manner worthy of the Lord is pleasing to Him, bearing much fruit and good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. It was just like a little bit of a mind blow. I, I, I couldn't get rid of it. And, and when I do different things, like when I prepare a sermon for different places, and God always puts different things into my head, and, and they seem kind of random at first, but they all start coming together and, and meshing together. And one of these things is there was a song that I was listening to from one of the bands that I really enjoy. It's a Christian band, and, uh, and, and, and it started coming in, except I'm ahead of myself. This is why you have PowerPoint, so you don't get ahead of you. Important. This scripture... Uh, that talks about walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. It comes from Colossians. And Colossians, man, I had so much information, I could have gave 10 sermons. So you're going to be here for an hour and a half. And uh, so buckle... No, I'm just joking. But it, it is that whole first part of Colossians that prefaces for this reason, and then he gives this prayer. And this is important for us. Uh, so what I would like to do is just read the beginning of Colossians together as we get prepped for this, uh, this scripture that we have for us this morning. So let's start off with verse number one. Paul, who is an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the... which has come to you as indeed the whole world. It has been bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you, since the day you heard it, and just as you learned it from Epaphras. No, I did it again. I, I, this morning I was like, I'm going to listen to this like seven times in a row. I'm going to hear it, and I'm going to be like, get up there and say it like I actually know what I'm talking about. Epaphras, our beloved, beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. So Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's giving a letter based upon this guy who's in Colossus, who's teaching the church at Colossae all about Jesus Christ. And Paul's heard about him, heard about their faith in Jesus Christ, their faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done. They heard about it. They heard and they understood. And what did they hear about it? Paul has heard about the love that they have for others. And this proves that they have love for God. And he talks about the truth, that they heard the truth. 
and that they heard the logos of church, the word of truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ came to earth, died for our sins, was buried and resurrected, and he, he saves us from our sins. He shed his blood for us, and he came alive so that he could give us the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the church believed this. This is what the church believed in Colossae. And we as a group, we believe this. We believe the very same thing. Paul wrote this letter to people he never met before. He wrote this letter. He had not met these people, but he had words of encouragement for believers that he had not met. And he knew that they had faith in Jesus Christ, just as we have faith in Jesus Christ. He heard that we, they had love for others, just as we have love for God and for others. And this is important. We believe that Jesus is the truth. We believe that he is the way believe that he is the life. And it's important that we understand that this could be written to us as well. Here in Ellsworth, or maybe you're not from Ellsworth, you're from like Franklin, no, 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 nothing against Franklin, that's just another, or Ellsworth, or if you're visiting from further away. It is the understanding that we can understand what God would have us see from this. That's important. So, now back to the song. See, God always gives me these scriptures, and then he gives me like a song that kind of goes with the scripture. And then sometimes I'm reading some poetry, or I'm reading some scientific journal, or you know, I, or I'm reading some thing about philosophy, and I, I, I read a lot of different things. Uh, but one of the, my favorite songs is by a band called Thousand Foot Crutch. I don't know if you know them. They're a Christian rock band. A uh, band who's Christian, and, uh, and they sing about Jesus a lot. And uh, one of their songs is Be Somebody. Be Somebody. And it's all about the idea, just as we were singing about being someone, Paul was telling the church of Colossae that they were in Christ Jesus, that they were loved, that they had faith in Christ, that they were loved of God and they loved others. This song talks about our identity, the idea of being someone. And it is a desire for everyone. Everyone does want to be someone. We all want our lives to matter and mean so much. The chorus of this song goes like this. We all want to be somebody. We just need a taste of who we are. And in that aspect, it's the, the, the author of the the song is saying, we just need a taste of who we are in Christ. See, we're forgiven. We're loved. We're children of God. We're forgiven. We're, we're in his bosom. We have him. We want to be somebody. We're willing to go, but not that far. We're willing to go, but not that far. And, and when I was hearing that, I was like, I, I thought of this verse, and I was like, there's, a, there's something here. We're always willing to go. We want to be someone. We want to know who we are, but we're willing to go, but not that far. And, and I, I thought of this verse, so to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. How am I? We're, we're willing to walk, but not there. Sometimes we have our lives and we're following Jesus, and there's a spot where God is like, hey, you should really go here. And sometimes we're not willing to take that, not, that next step. To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. 
How many of you are picky eaters? How many? Well, I see four hands, so there's at least four honest people in the room. That's, that's right. We all have our likes and our dislikes. Everybody likes it. And uh, so, uh, you know, when you're, when you're a picky eater, you like certain things, you don't like certain things. But, you know, I was reading an article, uh, and, and this kind of shows you what kind of articles I read. Uh, but uh, it, was in, it was in a nutritional uh, magazine, uh, or journal, actually, scientific journal. It said, Picky eaters have limited genetic potential. Picky eaters have limited potential, uh, genetic potential. And I was like, oh, i got to read this one. This is going to be good. And so the article was all about sephirophane. And, of course, you know about sephirophane if you're that's just a, a normal thing no, a lot of people talk about. But it, it, sephirophane is a chemical it, that's obtained from conciferous vegetables. Cruciferous. I can't even. Now I'm getting the. Yeah, now I'm getting the tongue. Yeah. Cruciferous vegetables. Broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, kale is in that group. It's, those are good stuff right there. Sephirophane is really cool. And the coolest thing about sephirophane is that it turns on 200 genomes. Now you're like, wait, scientific word, what are you doing to us? Hold on, time out. It's, it's all right. You, everyone here is made up of DNA, all right? Everybody knows about DNA. That's part of how God made us. God made us into beautiful biochemical machines. We're just amazing the way that God put us together in that regard. And each one of those DNAs that we have in every single cell of our body has a tremendous amount of information in it. If I was to take the books and stack them on this pulpit, they, you would be through the ceiling. That's how much information is in one cell of your body. God has made it so beautiful, so complex and amazing. But in that, there's little sections of your DNA that make different chemicals hormones, enzymes, proteins, and those things are called genomes, little sections of it. And when you eat this chemical, sephirophane, which is in vegetables, it actually turns on 200 chemicals in your body that aren't there normally. So, thus why the, the, they said you have limited genetic potential if you're not eating uh, your broccoli. All right? So, but it got me thinking in that regard. And, and sulfurephane is actually really good for you. It's anti-inflammatory. It takes all the toxins out of your blood. It's anti-aging. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different things that go with it. But it, it is a, it's a very good thing. It's, and it, there's my plug for broccoli uh, and that sort of stuff. But I, I started thinking to myself, you know, it's very interesting that one little chemical in that food turns on that much of my DNA. What else turns on things on my DNA? I want to get maximum DNA potential here. I got a lot of information in there that God gave me. Why not use it? What turns on the different genomes besides food? Well, then I was reading my psychology uh, journal, and one of the things that it had in there, interesting enough is thinking about things. When you think about things, that really alters your brain chemistry and it turns on different hormones and things in your body. And so by thinking certain ways, 
you can actually turn on certain chemicals and change your chemical makeup of your body. Uh, you might be thinking, wow, that seems a little weird, but it's true. Your beliefs can change your body chemistry. Back to the nuclear medicine. I see cancer patients all the time. They come in, they're on chemo, radiation, and everything else. If they believe it works, it is significantly more, uh, it works significantly more better for patients that think the chemo is working than not. And it's by 70 to 150 times better. And, and so all of a sudden you're thinking, wait a second, yeah, chemo is great, but a big part of that is about your mindset going into your treatment. Because what you think and your beliefs will turn on different things in your body to allow your body to heal itself. And that's very important. And in that regard, us believing in God, our belief in God is good for us as Christians because it turns on a lot of positive things in our bodies. It allows us to have this understanding uh, more about life. And, and it changes our chemistry in a good way. Coping with adversity. Jesus told us, do not worry about what you eat or what you drink, except you should eat broccoli. But uh, he, actually, Jesus didn't say that. Now, don't misquote me there. I, that was Dan, not Jesus. Uh, but he said, don't worry about things. And, and, in, and if you truly are less, have less worries in your life, you're, you will release different chemicals in your brain, the dopamine, epinephrine, and all these sort of things that allow you to live your life more fully. When you have positive emotions... Remember the Bible says, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's beautiful, think about these things. And when you do think about those things, you actually have an incredible amount of potential that's opened up and allows your body to heal more effectively. And the proof of that is they have a lot of different scientific studies on this. It's very interesting. People that are believers in Jesus Christ and really truly believe in God, have lower depression, lower suicide rate, less anxiety than the general public. And it's significantly less. Interesting enough. So our belief in God, all right, what does it mean to really believe? What does it really mean to believe in God? Because, one, we're commanded to believe in God. The Bible tells us to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. This is something we as believers, we, we say that. We are believers. We believe this. We have faith in Christ. It's a big part of who we are. Now, a definition of that, number one, is we need to accept something as true and feel sure of the truth of it. We need to accept it as true and feel sure of the truth of it. And this is where we should be as believers in Christ. We should be here. We should be always accepting it as true, that our faith, our belief in God allows us to do that. And we should be feel sure of it. The second one, sometimes we're stuck in the second one there, hold something as an opinion or suppose it. I think a lot of times, and I have to be honest and confess this, some mornings I wake up, you know, you open your eye and you're like, ugh. And I don't thank God, I don't pray, I don't open my Bible, I roll into work, I just do my routine. I, people get in a routine, I get in my routine, and I come home, and you know, I can really 
almost, I believe in God, but I hold it more as an opinion, or I think about it, or suppose it, and I'm not really accepting it as true or feel sure of it. I'm just kind of living my life, opposed to truly walking in a manner worthy of where God would have me go. And I think it has a lot to do with our beliefs and how we walk in our lives. If most people in the church believe, if most people in the church believe that Jesus is the truth and he's coming back, shouldn't the church be more different than the world? Shouldn't we be radically changed? Shouldn't we have more love and and shouldn't we feel that more? I always think of it that way. Shouldn't you guys feel better? Or should I look at myself? Should I say, what would my walk look like if I really believed more? What would my walk look like if I truly believed in this? How would I walk in a manner worthy of Christ if I truly believed it? Now, a lot of people in the world, they don't believe at all. They have no concept of it. A lot of them hold the uh, thoughts of Frederick Nietzsche, who said this, The truth is, there was only one Christian, and he died on the cross. The truth is, there's one Christian, and he died on the cross. And a lot of people, Nietzsche was also famous for saying, God is dead, in that notion. And uh, he was a uh, militant atheist. But at the same time, I think there is... Uh, a lot of people that believe that a lot of Christians are hypocrites, that they really don't walk in a manner worthy of God. This is a picture of Frederick. Check out that mustache. I don't know how he ate. He must have had the biggest mouth in the world, John. Huge. Another person that uh, I follow somewhat, he's a clinical psychologist. He's on YouTube, if you ever look it up. He's a very interesting guy. I kind of like a lot of things he said. And it's Jordan Peterson, and he was asked if he believed in God. And he gave this answer, which I really thought was interesting. He said, and I, this is Jordan Peterson, and I thought, well, who would have the audacity to claim that they believed in God? If they examined the way they lived, who would ever dare say that? To believe, to believe in a Christian sense, to actually, to have the audacity to claim that means that you live it out fully? And that's an unbearable task in some sense. Jordan actually never does ever give an answer for it in, in a short form. He has, you know, an hour and a half he gives an answer for if he believes in God. But it, the quick answer he gives is, so I act if God exists. I act if God exists. Because I can't really say that I believe. I can't say that I actually believe. And it's this understanding is we have the belief in God. We know that Jesus Christ came for us. He loved, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son for us to die on the cross for our sins. We know this. We are certain of his love for us and his resurrection from the dead, our forgiveness of sins. So let's, let's kick through these verses here real quick as we're looking at uh, correlating it. He says in verse 9, For this reason, from the day we heard, 
asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Um, What do you ask God for? Uh, Again, when I'm in the hospital, a lot of people ask for medical things. They ask for prayer for their cancer, their heart disease, their aunt, their uncle. And, And I'm more than willing to help and pray for people. Sometimes I can do it out loud, which is great. But, you know, Paul never actually prayed anything for their health. He always asked them very specifically here to be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom. I think it's important. Sometimes I write down things I pray for, write down my prayers, and they sound so selfish after I do that. It's like, oh, maybe I should pray something different. It's kind of weird how I say some things, that's for sure. But what does he ask for here? He's asking, let's read this again. For this reason, from the day we heard, we have not ceased praying for you. Asking that we are filled with the knowledge of his will, all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That seems so unattainable. At least to me it does, in a way. Could we be knowing? I mean, how many people would like to know God's will for their life? Because, I mean, and are we praying for it? Are we, because Paul does, Paul actually prays right here that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will. And then he doesn't just leave it at that, though. He doesn't just say, I want to know God's will, because he also says, within, well, sorry, uh, knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Because I think a lot of times we ask for, to know God's will, but we need to have spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we have a comprehension of really what he wants us to do with his will. And that's important. I think God really wants to fill us with his heart, with his mind. He wants us to know what to do with our lives, how to walk in a manner pleasing to him. So we come on to this, the, the verse that kind of stuck in my head, the, the idea of walking. If we, we look through walking in the Bible, this is a very normal thing. Walking is throughout the entire Bible. If we look at Psalms 1, uh, we should not walk in the way of the wicked. Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It says later in the New Testament, it says we should walk by faith, not by... Sometimes I, I do that. I close my eyes and try to walk around. It just doesn't work. But uh, anyways, so let's read this verse again. So as to... bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. How is your walk? How is your walk right now? If you had to, you know, we always do this at the hospital. You've been there lately. Uh, rate this on a scale of 1 to 10, you know. They, they always ask you, rate your pain on a scale of 1 to 10, or your anxiety, or whatever, we, something we do normally. But rate your walk. What would your walk be if I had to ask you right now? The good Thought process. I think we should go for it. We just left on vacation uh, over Memorial Day. We went to an airport. We flew in and we went to Detroit. Detroit is great. It's a fun airport. They have a tunnel in between some terminals and it's a quarter mile long and it has all sorts of funky lights and weird music. I mean, like, yeah, you know, weird, weird music and lights flash weird. I like to call it the tunnel of love. It's just kind of weird. It's it's fun. And they have moving sidewalks. 
And when you're in an airport, I love to people watch. I don't know if anyone else likes to people watch. You look at people and you can always see, you know who's late for the airplane, you know, because they're like running down, they're walking, they're trying to speed walk and look somewhat graceful with dragging a bag that's bouncing on behind them. You have the person who is uh, hurting everyone else, you know, so they got a small group and they're, they're going either side making sure, oh, we're here and this is where we need to go and then you have the people that are like, oh, please stop, you're embarrassing us. And then you have people that are completely clueless and just like, wow, big in here and everything else. And then you have the people trying to get around them, uh, people standing in the walk and then walk in the standing area. You have all sorts of different kinds of walks. And I, I think we need to examine our walk. Does your walk fully please the Lord? Are you walking like you believe in God or are you walking as you, yeah, he's around, but he's really not paying attention. Paul gives us lots of really good things. In him. He talks about being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, endurance, and patience with joy, filled with the knowledge of his will. See, when Paul prays, he's asking for a lot of different things for the believers here. He's asking them to have, be filled with the knowledge of his will, to have wisdom, to have understanding, that they would bear fruit, that they would walk, and they'd have an increased knowledge of God. But then he comes to this idea here of endurance and patience with joy. And I can get into endurance, you know. If you're ever working and sometimes you just need to push through, and endurance is a great thing to pray for. But patience with joy seem like oil and water. I, <laughs> I'm, I rarely have patience with joy, if you think about it. Usually when I'm trying to be patient, I'm trying to be patient with someone. You know, you're just like, you, get, you can get frustrated. But that's an opportunity. Patience with joy is an opportunity when you're able to be with someone where you're having difficulty in life. This is an opportunity to share the love of God and Christ with someone. And that's why we should have joy when we need to have patience. Because we're going to truly reflect Christ in us. And that's, that's a very important point. Then we get to verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father. You to share the inheritance of the saint. Oh, sorry. I'm reading your part too. So. Saints in light. That's right. Giving thanks to have gratitude. One of the marks we should have as believers in Christ is that we should have gratitude to really be thankful for everything we have. I'm very thankful that God put me into uh, the career that I have. One of the things that I need to hear on a regular basis is what my patients tell me. I, again, I have cancer patients, cardiac patients, and, and typically they always tell me two things two or three things. One, they always tell me, don't work too hard. Don't work too hard. Make sure you spend lots of time with your kids and your wife. That's what they tell me. And all these people are at the end of their life, and this is what they regret, working too hard and not spending enough time with loved ones. I've never had someone say, make sure you focus on your career. I honestly say I've never had anyone do that. Or make more money. Get a second job. No one's ever said that to me at that point in time. And so when you hear that, and I hear this daily. Uh, the other thing is they always tell me not to get old, but I don't know how to do that. I mean, it's like, great. 
Thanks. Good advice there. Don't get old. These are the golden years. I mean, come on. But, you know, but it does help me focus, especially having an idea of what really is important in our lives and giving thanks to God for the blessings and the people I have in my life. And God has made it all possible. And the, and, and the coolest thing about that is this phrase, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. of life. God has done it for you. There's some things that we can't do. The number one thing is qualify us. Allow us to be children of God. God chose us. He qualified us. You don't have to try to do all these things just to hopefully God will accept you. God loves you, point blank. He wants you to be his child. He wants you to walk in a manner worthy. He wants you to bear fruit. He wants you to love others as yourself. He wants you to love your enemies as yourself. He has qualified you. You don't have to do it. And you're put into his inheritance of the saints. We are saints. Not because of how we feel. We don't feel like saints. Honestly, I don't. Maybe you do. Maybe you're like, I have the same thing down. But I don't. I don't have the same thing down. But God calls me a saint, so I am. Because he has qualified me. He named me. He calls me his child. He loved me. He gave his son for me. God qualified me. So then... I say, do I really believe in God? Am I walking in a manner worthy of Him? Round it off with back to that song from that band that I really like, uh, Thousand Foot Crutch. I want to be, we all want to be somebody. We just need a taste of who we are. Just a taste of who we are in Christ. We all want to be somebody. We're willing to go but not that far. Are you willing to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? The ending of the song has this line. When I could only see the floor, you made my window a door. So when they say they don't believe, I hope that they see you in me. People are going to see Christ in us. And I hope that we have that same wish, that that they see Christ in us so that they may believe in Jesus Christ as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time. Lord, I pray that...